Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. sure that i wasn't gonna put on video because i didn't want to hear yeah, no we don't, we don't want that to happen again like that's that how we know be, you're ready that would be a disaster and at least if you're gonna freak out micah you need to be recording right away so that you know we can... like it wasn't like i had a video and i stuck my foot in it right like oh golly speaking of which uh, did you all see the uh um, jesse char picture? jesse char yes. post no uh, so Jesse yeah. was on a plane and she was very excited because the two spots next to her, the two chairs next to her were empty. So she said, sitting with my two favorite people on the plane and took a photo of it. And then shortly after that, she's like, you won't believe what happened next. And she takes a photo and someone had not only put down the uh, like armrests that were previously up, like next to Jesse, but their bare ass feet were sticking <laughs> through the sides of the chair Oh. And then and then he used them to open up the window shade. Yes, and oh. then opened up the window shade. So can oh. we, like disembodied nasty feet sticking. Ugh, it's just it's so so much. It, wrong. It's like it's so like Micah's version of the Twilight Zone. Is yeah. is or Saw? I guess there we go. I was gonna say I like the Twilight Zone. <laughs> you, I don't think you'd like to star in the Twilight Zone. I don't think you'd, you'd want that to be like your biography. I would be that little kid that everybody has to be nice to or he sends them to the field. Really? That that's how you envi- that's how you envision yourself in, in in that scenario. In the twilight zone, yeah. Okay, sure. You better be nice to me, Steve. Well, that would be something. So, uh now Micah, have you decided not to fly? Yeah, right? <laughs> like if, if I didn't have a phobia There's for a flying before, I, oh, I do certainly you? do now. No, no, no. Oh, I was oh, like, if didn't. I didn't oh, yeah. have oh. one before. Right, right. I mean, who knows? It could, uh, yeah, I could get f- foot. Ugh, ew. It's just, that's just so wrong. Mm-hmm. That's so wrong. It's, yeah, that's, yeah. It's, I mean, part of it is just like being excited that the plane was empty enough that you had no spots taken up next to you. And so you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. I feel good about this. And then you look over and there's someone's nasty. They're, well, they're, they probably weren't nasty. They were probably fine. But they're nasty because their feet. Nasty feet just there uh, suddenly appearing. If and, like, you're not someone, someone with feet, you are so offended at Micah right now. <laughs> Everyone out there with feet is just like, Micah hates me because I have feet. <laughs> it's true. What if you, like, tickled the foot? Like, what, would that be fair? Yeah. Like, is it in your territory so then you could, like, 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 touch the foot and tickle them? Like, would that be – is that not allowed? Is that, like – This conversation is my worst nightmare. I, I don't think I want to put any, any part of my body near those feet because generally somebody who's going to do that is not going to have, like, nicely pedicured – well taken care of feet. Those are going to be like some abominations that are sitting right next to you and sharing the seat next to you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Huh. Huh. I'm judging. I'm sorry. I'm judging. 
Okay, okay, okay. So before we start the show today, I just want to say I felt like maybe last week wasn't my most uh, professional appearance on the show <laughs> in history. I think so. I just want to say this week, you know, we're gonna keep it a little bit more professional. That's all I'm saying. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the Brianna Wu you can vote for this week on the show. So I just want you all to feel good about that. I, All I right. will, I that's will it. That's support the joke. that. That's the joke. Okay, that. great, great. So, it's all so, seriousness. So what you're week. saying is that I shouldn't bring up Barbie Girl again because that might just set you off? Or I, I will say Barbie Girl makes me sad, Steve, that our, our educational system in this country <laughs> has failed <laughs> so badly that yes. some people out there, yeah, we don't teach our children right and wrong anymore. And clearly you can't tell the difference in good and bad. And <laughs> it just makes me really sad. It's the end of morality in the United States, Steve. Life life in plastic. Yeah. I bet foot on seat guy was listening to Barbie Girl as he was re- as he was lounging on the plane. God. I don't oh. wanna talk about feet anymore. <laughs> um so beep, Disney beep, World. Beep, 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 beep. Sorry. I thought there was a chorus coming up. I was All right, gonna... I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm gonna go. Uh, good luck, everybody. <laughs> Walt Disney World, which I have never been to, is getting, as we've mentioned, but now I'm clearly going to have to go because there, we'll, we'll get to it. But there's some things that are happening there that I absolutely have to be a part of. Um, there are 14, count them. 14 exciting updates that are coming to Walt Disney World over the next five-ish years. Um, I mean, we won't go through the whole list of them, obviously, unless, you know, you all want to. But um, let's just uh, talk about some things. We've got the Tron roller coaster coming. We've got this really awesome thing called the Star Wars Gal- Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is going to be a huge, like, city experience where you walk through and it looks like you are in a Star Wars film. Something that I'm excited about is Toy Story Land, which is coming. Uh, um, where you can walk through and like play with uh, Slinky, and you can get on the little Martians um, spinning uh, flying saucers, and then also Ratatouille, which happens to be one of my favorite uh, Pixar f- films. There's going to be a 4D attraction where you walk around as a miniaturized um, Remy in Ratatouille, uh, as well as a Star Wars themed resort that takes this is things. Where we're going. Yes. This is why we have to go do this. Like, okay, so Uh instead of just, you know, it's not as if it's just some, uh, uh, I don't know, some some weird barrels that look like they belong on ships stuck in a corner. No, this is a full experience where you actually, like, while you're staying there, you become a part of the story that gets told there. So it's like dinner theater almost, but it's it's the full time that you're there. And the the painting, Mm. the, the drawing that they put together of it, I mean, this is incredible you they're like little bunks you can look out and see different planets from your your door uh i think this is awesome so yeah i mean let's just talk about all this different cool things like the minivan service as well, well which is let's talk to about disney. let's go ahead and plan on the show right now our trip down to disney world as a show <laughs> i'm in I mean, yes. let's, I'm in. let's I'm do in. it let's do <laughs> it how, how i'm not joking that? yes i'm not joking no, no, no. okay great no, it's, it's, that's yeah, great as soon as it's star wars yeah. hotel things video. coming done I am in. It would be such a blast. Like that would be it. I'm fully in. Just okay. Great. 
I, I'm just kind of concerned that my daughters are going to try to join the dark side in this <laughs> in the Wait, in this aren't resort. All joining the dark side? Wait, sorry. What? Well, I mean, obviously you are Georgia because oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, there there are things that look like orcs that you could you could murder, but you know, I, I'm already worried about my my youngest daughter's uh, you know crush on Kylo Ren, and this you know th- this could kind of inculcate her into the dark side. I don't know how I feel about that. Steve, I will be there as the strong parental figure she doesn't currently have (laughs) to help teach her the difference in right and wrong. I'll be there, so don't you worry about that at all. The dark side will yeah, very safe. Uh, I'll make sure she brings along her Rodimus Prime uh, transformer to to keep her to keep her grounded. We'll 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 we'll, wow. What's the number for uh, child services here in Massachusetts? Do you know, Micah? Do you know? Oh, it went quick. It went quick. Uh, I can't wait. I'm excited already. Yeah, we're gonna have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you Did you get a chance to watch the video of this Tron roller coaster? By the way, six one seven. No. Yeah. Seven four eight. Stop it. Two (laughs) thousand. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Please stop giving out my cell phone number, Micah. So this this Tron roller coaster, there's a video of it that I'll put in the show notes because um, they did a ride along at it on a Shanghai Disney World, and yeah. it is incredible. Like the you get seated on like it looks like you're seated on light cycles, like two by two side by side, and the thing like rotates horizontally around the track. So if you can think of it like like almost like a monorail track, except you're kind of rotating side to side as you're going around the corners and light cycles, and it looks incredible. It is so cool. I, the the rumor is that. They're getting rid of either the Carousel of Progress or the Tomorrowland Speedway to make room for it, and and I think either of those would be a pretty decent upgrade to get this They've in. They've been I, building all for this. behind the Carousel of Progress for like two years, though. Like there's yeah, a they huge have. thing yeah. that they're building there. So I don't. I mean, I don't. It, has it been confirmed they're going to get rid of the Carousel of Progress? Because I think no, they can that's just what add I'm saying. On. It's one or the I other. Mean, yeah. Oh yeah. well, huh. yeah. By Carousel Progress, it yeah. sucked anyway. So yeah, that it's it's kind of outdated at this point. Yeah, but it, either so, way, like I mean, that looks like is, really cool. So let's just be honest, because this is a show where we tell each other difficult truths. I mean, you know, the Magic Kingdom sucks. And it just, I tell you, every time I go there, it just looks so miserable. It is so bad because that's where all the parents are. Like, all the parents are always in Magic (laughs) Kingdom. And all the, yeah, and that's it. And, like, it doesn't have any of the best rides. There's nothing there that's, like, a AAA ride. Uh, You know, like, what's what's the best thing in Magic Kingdom? Like, Space Mountain is not aged well at all. No, no, it's terrible. And yeah. the, the carts are for short people. Like people, they're Frank-sized or have no feet, like Michael. With yeah. the so, like the, <laughs> and still have functioning short. spines. Like I get off of that ride yeah. and I feel like I need to go find Mickey's chiropractor to, right, to you know, right. like it's it's like it, – because they fixed it in Disneyland. Like they improved like the smoothness of the ride. They did not do that yeah. in, in Disney World and it is no. a rough ride. Like I like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And I like the, you know, the Snow White. What? What? What do you mean, what? That's like a children's. Welcome to my life. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) yeah. 
I mean, but there's nothing at Magic Kingdom that's worthwhile. I mean, Buzz Lightyear's okay. Laugh Floor is okay. Uh, you know, Lilo and Stitch's Escape is okay. I guess Pirates of the Caribbean is okay. And by the way, can we talk about like the the quote unquote controversy there? So like they're changing. There's this part of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean where they're changing it, where there's basically these women they're being auctioned off as sex workers at one part of it, and they're changing it. Uh- well, that's been there all along. It has. Yeah. And there are people that are so upset about this. And, like, I was looking at some of the comments on one of these articles, and they're like, well, no one ever says anything about uh, the woman that's chasing the man, like, when it goes round and round. And really? I just wanted to scream, like, do you know what that was before the 90s? Do you know what that was before the 90s? It was the man chasing the woman to, like – in a very sexual assaulty kind of like you know motif there, so like I don't understand people they're upset about this. It seems ridiculous to me. I, I, well, I mean, people are going to get upset about anything that's changing, but I'm sure those same people had no problem when when they redid it to add Johnny Depp's stupid face into into half the ride. So I, you know, Whoa. I Whoa. people get upset about everything, <laughs> and, and you know, anytime that anything changes, it feels like people think that there's always going to be some people that think that their their childhood's getting taken away. And like, I think it's a good thing for Disney to update with the times to some extent. So, I mean, you know, nostalgia factor is always going to be there, but you can still have pirates without sending like the worst message ever. Um, especially because that is like the quote unquote boys ride in at least the way that they see it. Like you see all the merchandise, at least at least until recently, has always been uh, targeted at boys, whereas a lot of the stuff in Fantasyland had been more targeted at girls. I'm not saying that that's right, that, you know, it needs to be that way, but that's kind of until recently, Disney's been very boy girl, you know, segmentation set uh, centric and they still are. But it's just a bad message to send to boys, and it's good that they're getting rid of that. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I I think the, the they're going to have these little minivan. I I don't have any idea of like what it's like going between the parks, but apparently people will use ride sharing apps to go between the different resorts and yeah. to like get to their dinner yep. reservations yeah. and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's much better. Yeah. And so now they're going to have uh, this thing called the minivan service, which is basically Lyft, but it's Disney themed. And so a, a cast member will actually pick up up to seven passengers uh, and it costs 20 bucks for the trip. And you even get two car seats at no extra cost if you need them. So the minivan service, you pull out your phone, you open up the Lyft app, and then you request a ride while you're on Disney's property. And if you are, then it knows that like, oh, we need to call a minivan. Uh, and it runs from 630 a.m. to 1230 a.m. So I think this is interesting, uh, especially the fact that it's like a cast member that could come and pick up your, you and if you have uh, children there, if you have a big group, and then they take you on your way. And I would certainly rather have a Disney cast member than, you know, just um, a very very talkative uh uber driver who wants to no that's the best you get to know you get to talk to all the because like when frank and i go to disney we uber everywhere and we do we're not going to take the you know we don't have a car and we're not going to like you know take the bus yeah we're not (laughs) those people of course no we 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 used to take the bus it's so exhausting it's uh, it's terrible waiting out in the rain yeah it's right really bad well because they only go they only go from park to park so if you're going to like a hotel for dinner then you 
have to go to one park and then go from there to a hotel. It's it's a pain, especially if you're going from your hotel to some place to eat in another hotel. If you stay at Downtown Disney, like they had the A bus and the B bus, mm. it's not that bad. But anyway, no, uh, you know, I have to tell you though, like I do Uber everywhere, and I I think most of the drivers you meet are really cool people, and. The thing I like about it is because you do talk to them, you kind of get a sense of where they're coming from. And a lot of them are people that immigrated to America and mm-hmm. ended up in Florida. That's a lot of them. You have people, there are school teachers that aren't paid a living wage in Florida or like, you know, forced to do this part time. So I don't mind that. What I do mind is I want to tell you guys, when I went there last time, Frank and I made the terrible, terrible mistake of going and eating at the Norwegian restaurant with all of the Disney princesses. Oh, no. So, like, no, yeah. That. So, what? what? That's yeah. a character meal. Okay. No, that's terrible. That's, that's, yeah, it's I a can't, character I, meal. Oh, my what God. Is, so you, wait, 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 wait. So you wait. and Frank were there where all of, like, the Disney princesses were walking Walking around and taking pictures at every table. Keep coming up to us like I'm trying to eat. <laughs> and then like Ariel's up in my face. And I'm oh like, you know what, Ariel? I'm good. I don't need a picture. Thank you. Then some other chick comes up. And you're like, I, you know what? Ella, I'm okay. I'm good. I don't need a picture. Thank you. Okay, Princess Jasmine. I'm fine. I'm okay. I don't need a picture. And I'm having to do this like 20 times. And she's like, Esmeralda, you know where you can put it? <laughs> to, you can't be you can't be rude to like a Disney princess. Like, hey, yeah. no, it's against the law. Tell that to get right, right. So you're trying to be all nice and stuff, and she's like, "Oh, is this here your prince that you found?" Yeah, I just want to go like, "Shut up, Ariel!" <laughs> just trying to eat. <laughs> like, they're all perfectly nice people, but I just wanted a freaking thirty dollars salad. And they were in my face. Listen, oh, Ariel, fish your food. Salad. All right, let's go. Let's move it along. So, so yeah, I, I'm assuming this place let's is go. not. You don't go there for the food. Not really. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I mean, princesses. Yeah. So you just didn't know that this was a princess place? I I had not thought about it. I had not thought about it. I just wanted some food. So you know, when when you're at, when you're in Epcot, you kind of take whatever seating you can get, and so right. you know if that's where it's available to eat, that's where you're eating. And if that's where the yeah, princesses exactly. are walking around, then you're you're gonna have to get interrupted in between bites of your uh, of your your narlocks or whatever they serve there to what do they uh, serve? you know. They don't actually I say guess- sell fermented shark meat. Do they? That's what Narlox <laughs> no. is? Is that actually a word? Did I not make that up? I, I, I'm not sure if that was actually like a word I put I out of no my... I have no idea what you're talking about. Fermented yeah. shark meat, Georgia Dow. Where are you coming from? It's it's a, a Norwegian dish. It's, oh. Uh, yeah. I, I just thought you were just like saying that. It's like Hakarl. It's it's not Narlox, but it's like Hakarl or something like that. And it's fermented shark. And it's, it's, a, it's like a, a national food of like... Iceland and and Norway and yeah so anyways I, that's what I thought you were saying and it, it's supposed to be one of the worst f- foods ever to eat you cannot even open it indoors um, Ew, look it that so up look that, that up great. a can of it that sounds great um, no. <laughs> and people you watch the people like wretch the entire time and some people have have had to actually um, sell their cars because like it was in their car and leaked or like like sell their homes the smell may never go away what that's not wow. a joke steve i have a great present for you this no year that's okay Christmas. i'm good i'm yeah. i'm yeah, okay. good good yeah good. apparently that's okay. icelandic not norwegian so 
It's uh, Sturstromen from, like, yeah, is the other one. So that's the one that's by the can. What I found so interesting about the restaurant is I'm down there and like I'm literally down there to take a break from my campaign. Like I had gone from fundraisers to like handshaking events to get on a plane to go down there to come back to do a bunch of that. Right. So I'm sitting there you know, like I'm working to become like not a princess of America, but certainly part of the, the ruling <laughs> class there. And you're then, like, are you a voting like, age? These, I'm going to talk to you, Jasmine. Yeah, got, right. Yeah, I've got <laughs> these princesses in my face and I'm like. We have very different paradigms of female leadership here. Like, this is it's just a, a difference of approach we have here. So, yeah. Uh, uh. So, which princess would each of us choose? Like, like what? To run the country? What? No, yeah. what would, if you, like, you know, if you had to, like, be one Disney princess, what, who would oh. it be? Oh. Uh, well, God, I've never thought about that in yeah. my life. Ooh, Moana, I guess Moana, Moana. Elsa. Elsa has ice powers. Hey, yeah. hey for the win. Ice powers that come in really handy in Boston driving. I would use <laughs> that true. every day. Yeah. I, I don't think you need to make to make the roads icier to make it more difficult to drive in Boston, though. I don't <laughs> think that's exactly what you want. Yeah. You need yeah, to get away yeah, from okay. uh, yeah. Georgia, what was your choice? I didn't hear. Uh, I would pick, um, well, I, it's funny cause my, I, I, I spoke with one of my people today and, and they, they actually, they totally got the right princess. I would have picked Mulan just because she fights and, and that's Ooh. like cool to me or Ariel because I would have loved to be a mermaid. Um, what do you mean would have? I still would love to be a mermaid. I love how you but, asked yourself, what do you mean would have? Yeah, exactly. Um, but they, they picked princess Leia and I went, oh, you know what? That you totally, you're right. She's a Disney princess now. That counts now. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Mm. I think I think Queen Amidala is a better Disney princess personally. Though I guess Leia did make general. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. General that's true. Leia, that that's be, true, that's but fair. you'd have yeah. to wear yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, you and the prequels. <laughs> Brie God damn. We renounced the prequels. Brie. I renounced Brie, let them, them on die. The show. Let them die. I did. I did. Mike and I agreed. It's yeah. true. I, oh. I apologize for anything I ever said that was constructive or fawning <laughs> about the prequels. I was we'll wrong. see when you're done I, campaigning yeah. what you say, because I'm, I'm yeah. wondering if you're going to go back on that. <laughs> I, I swear, <laughs> I, I genuinely mean this, Georgia. It's like the episode seven came out. And it showed me the good you know, movie could be made. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just done defending that trash. Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, I've oh, watched them since. So... Uh, <laughs> Steve, what's your Disney princess? I guess Merida because I, you know, I I don't mind archery and I like bears. So you've got to be brave, Steve. You've got to be brave. I like one. it. That's a good. That's a good uh, so do we want to talk about this this thing that's replacing the great movie ride? And no, I don't know what is. What's replacing it? So they're doing a like runaway train type ride with like Mickey and Minnie and like the new old animation style. What? That's like. You know, like the new shorts that they've been doing of Mickey and Minnie, like the they have that. Where's my water? No, Steve, I haven't watched Disney Channel since I was sixteen. Yeah, but you played the the yeah, Mickey version of Where's My Water, right, or or whatever that thing was with the alligator. I have I, no idea what you're talking. I don't know what he's talking nope. about either. Where's my? I was water. hoping yeah. someone would tell me what's Where's My Water. The 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 game the game that Disney bought that was like the the alligator and you're trying to drill like, the like, water. Like jump the, the frog one, the one like jump like. 
No, it was on iOS. It was the the, one of the iOS games that was big like five years ago. No. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. With the pipes, doesn't it? Yeah. Thank you. I was starting to doubt my sanity there for a second. Good grief. (laughs) Well, keep doing that. But yeah, here's where's my water. Oh. Yeah, Uh, I got it. But so uh, there's a picture in this in that article I linked that it's like the you know like the new the new old style Mickey shorts and so they're going to be on a train it's going to be like a runaway train type of thing because that's what? apparently the only kind of, the only kind of roller coaster that Disney makes is a runaway train so but they said it's going to be like super incredible one of the Imagineers said it's the hardest thing that they've ever worked on. And it's supposed to be, let's see, uh, this is one of the boldest, most impossible things I've ever worked on in almost 40 years of being an Imagineer. And you know what? That's what I love about it. Well, that and Mickey. This is not going to be a small attraction. It's going to be game changing. So uh, they're getting rid of Ripley and Alien for that. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I feel betrayed. But at least, but you know, on the flip side, they are getting rid of Ellen's universe of energy to make way for Guardians of the Galaxy ride in Epcot. So that's who is that'll, Ellen, that'll, by the way? Oh. Like who's Ellen? Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres. Wait, is Ellen's show? Do, what is Ellen? Wait, have to wait, do wait, wait! Someone, someone, stop! I like, did I? What happened? What happened? What? Where's Ellen? Okay, so there was a <laughs> ride that was basically a forty-five minute long uh, advertisement for Exxon that yep. was Ellen's universe of energy. That w- nobody went on because it was 45 minutes long and it was an advertisement for Exxon. And so they're removing that and they're putting in a Guardians of the Galaxy and ride in Epcot. And what does Ellen have to do with Exxon? That's what I'm saying. She's the friendly face that they paid yeah. to make Exxon seem less evil. Yeah, really? basically. That was her role. You Ellen. are kidding me. She sold out to Exxon? Exxon? Come on, Ellen. Yeah, no, and and it's like I like I like I'm one of the few people who really likes Epcot, and we go on like everything, and I have not been on that ride like since the first time I went on it like ten years ago. Like it's awful. It's like this yeah, forty five minute like bridge to nowhere. It's awful. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, oh, and there, and this is our new Disney podcast. Yeah. I know. By the way. We're just gonna do this every week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. and and they're and they're also like making mission, trying to make mission mission space like relevant again because it's like a really bad VR experience at this point. So it sounds Start like they're actually going to upgrade make it. Mission space happen. I'm just glad. I'm just glad that finally at Disney, there's going to be an adventure where a white straight man can be a hero. Finally, <laughs> I'm just really glad with the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. That makes me very, very because that 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 movie is so inclusive to women and is just wonderful. And so was the sequel. So I'm just really happy mm-hmm. about that. I I'm hoping that they just focus more on Rocket Raccoon and Groot because you know that that. <laughs> Are you I, I Groot? Like Rocket Raccoon? Leave me alone. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we should talk about something new. Yeah, we should probably talk about something else before I embarrass myself further. Praise be. Uh, actually, this is this is uh, a difficult topic, so no no praising here. Um, so it came out this week that uh, BuzzFeed had put out a report on Monday about R. Kelly, the R&B singer, um, has allegedly been holding, and it's been um, 
you know, the sources are parents to these young women, um, holding multiple young women against their will. And some say that it's not against their will. Their parents say that it is indeed against their will in what their parents are calling an abusive sex cult. Um, they are at least 18 years of age. And so in this country, they have, you know, the right to consent. Um, and the story talks about how, again, the, these women are saying, you know, I, I, I'm fine. Everything's great. Whenever they talk to their parents, I want to be here. I love this man, et cetera, et cetera. But some of the details in this story are just horrifying. Um, I'm just going to read through a little bit here. Uh, requires these women to call him daddy and ask his permission before they can leave their rooms. They have to dress in jogging suits so that no one but him can see their body. When men enter the room, they're required to turn and face the wall. He films sexual activities with them and shares these videos with other people. And when they, quote, break the rules, he punishes them verbally and physically. One of the parents said it was as if she was brainwashed. She looked like a prisoner. It was horrible. Uh, Kelly is denying this. Uh, his, his lawyer issued a statement saying that this is absolutely not true and that he plans to pursue all of the accusers and clear his name. But um, the story goes on to talk about how R. Kelly has had a very... Uh, <sighs> His history is filled with with sexual assault, sexual harassment, and of course the uh, tape that was 26 minutes and 39 seconds of him uh, engaging in sexual acts and urinating on a young on a young girl who they said was 14 years of age, but the courts later said they could not prove that the person was was 14 years old. Um, now we have this this story about him potentially holding women against their will in an abusive cult. And Brie, whenever you brought up this topic, you talked about how you wanted to kind of talk about mind control and grooming and... Um, yeah. I mean, before we pass it over to you, Georgia, because this is really a Georgia topic, I want to talk about why I advocated for having this this week um, as a topic. Because, I mean, I don't think any of our listeners out there are going to be in, you know, the risk of, you know, getting into R. Kelly's alleged sex cult. <laughs> but I do think there's a discussion to be had about abusive relationships and control and, you know, how to kind of like what the, the psychological dynamics are of that. Because what's interesting to me about this story is these women are – starting off with wanting to just have a career and talking to an industry insider figure and then kind of getting sucked into something that really seems kind of dark, according to reports. So, Georgia, I just I kind of wanted to get your perspective on a lot of this. Yeah, it's really it's really um, it's a difficult subject. It's it's not my specialty. Um, and it's a really hard subject because. Um, the people, when when you're influenced by a cult, and this is alleged, we don't know. There is one of the women that has spoken up and said that it was completely consensual. Um, but when you are influenced by a cult, you would also say that. And so it's really hard. And that's why prosecution and looking into it and even saving people, it becomes one of these things where, you know, you become controlled 
by something else. And I think that a lot of people look at people that are involved in groups and they're very fanatical about them as, oh, this only happens to weak people. This could never happen to me. I would never break. And it's often used to laugh at and demean and embarrass and not take someone seriously because we we judge them as lesser than. And we already know that that, you know, anyone with given the right amount of circumstances could be affected by someone that they see as very powerful or that need to want to be a part of something. And so it's quite damaging. It can ha- it happens quite a lot. We still see it today, and it might not be places where it seems really horrible, but some of the things that pull people in would be like um, seductive recruitment processes. So he's very, and we don't know this, so this is all alleged, but he's really famous. Um, you know, you may be going through a you know time of a depression or a need, and so you're seeking for something. You may want to find something that gives you a feeling of purpose. You may want to feel a, p- a place of belonging of feeling special, of needing someone to take care of you fully, um, of, of wanting to rebel, become different, and, and not at all know. It, it often is very slow and, you know, you start to be treated really well. But there's this feeling of, um, you know, they often try to do the, like, reform the way that your thought processes go by being very controlling and demanding a lot of things from you and with other people that are doing it we are made to want to conform and so the entire group itself also works to persuade people to have to fall in line and there's often very harsh punishments for those that want to walk away from the line and so a lot of people that have left um, cults have spoken that it took them so long to get out of it and to even think of it as being not good made them feel guilty and then the amount of shunning or antagonism or the loss of what they needed as their family can be a huge cost to pay. And so cults and, and the study of the psychology of that is really, really in-depth. And I just, we, we need to take every allegation seriously and make sure that we, you know, talk to people so that I think that one of the main things that happen is that people end up feeling excluded and like someone that that would be a cult leader would pull you away from your family, your friends, your economy, your job, doing anything outside. And those are some of the first signs that you would look to that are kind of those red flags that you want to take a look at and say, you know, this doesn't seem okay and, and they may need help. Yeah, I mean, it's a really serious subject. Um, I guess my question would be this, Georgia. If you knew somebody that was in a situation like this and you suspected that it was abusive, um, you know, I'm not saying get enmeshed with them, but, like, what's the best way to be a friend for them in this situation? Well, one would be to be uh, to, to not be overly judgmental so that they feel alone. And that's really hard, especially if you don't believe in it, especially if you see someone that you notice is is doing something that you see as wrong. But that actually helps them feel more excluded and they're going to go back to, you know, whatever group they might be a part of. The next would be to to make sure that you always know where they're located and a way that they could reach if they want to come out. And there's a lot of helplines 
for people that may be involved in that so that they can call and they'll find ways to help get you out and to document everything. Documentation is really important of what the person's saying, what they're doing, because all of the cases of where cult leaders have been prosecuted effectively is because of because people aren't going to want to say anything it becomes really really hard but if you have documentation that someone else told you like did you tell anyone and do they remember it and to write everything down so that we can track that can be helpful if this um, cult was going to be prosecuted at a later date and time but it's hard because you can't if it was my child like I would go in and I would like grab him drag him out like I would like that's just being honest if it was my child but Legally, you can't do that. You cannot actually make, you know, they have the freedom of their own will to be able to do that. And so you can only support, try to make sure that, you know, the police, if there's something dangerous or illegal going on, that they're aware of this so that they can take a look into it and make sure that everyone is safe. But in the end, it is if someone wants to be a part of whatever group it might be that you don't agree with for whatever reasons, and there's nothing illegal that's actually happening you don't have a lot of avenues to that except for keeping um, an open form of communication between yourself and the person for if they ever want to get out. That, that tip on, on documentation is not even one that I would have thought of. So I'm really glad that um, you were able to talk about this because it certainly is something that I think that it, it can be a situation where it's more passive it's it's more passive in the sense that you don't end up accidentally alienating the person because you can sort of keep that private and keep that quiet, but you're also supporting that person in the way that you're able to. And, you know, some people I think feel like if they're really good friends with somebody and they care about them and they know they're in a bad situation and they have tried to do the more, you know, the, the Georgia Dow parent route, like going in and dragging them out and it didn't work and that, you know, they got pushed away. That's, that's, obviously painful in the sense that you don't feel like you're helping the person, but also because, you know, then you can't be helpful. So in this way, being able to document, you're able to help out and you know that you're doing something that can uh, ultimately result in things going well in the end. And so the other thing that you mentioned was um, having uh, ways to, 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 you know, reach out. So are you encouraging to like, Hey, if you ever need to talk, if you ever need, you know, if you ever feel unsafe, this is my number. Is that, that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be a helpline or it could Mm. be that, or uh, giving someone a, you know, a phone that they can keep with them if there's ever a need that's, that's paid up to a certain amount. There's, um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. The thing, the, the wonderful thing about documenting is if you put down the date and you, like, even if you don't, that is, um, you can, that can be put into a court of law. So documenting that, even if it is by your own written word of what happens, can really help someone's case if something nefarious is happening. But you, it's, it's all about, like, the first thing that people want to do is, like, cordon you off from all of your ways of getting out. It's all about control and power. There's one important thing that I want to touch on this topic. Um, one of the things that the writer in this Vox article that we'll share uh, in in the show notes mentions is the fact that over the course of R. Kelly's history in in these different situations, be it alleged or be it you know fully going to court, um, it has never been the case that when a white woman was involved, he 
acted in a way that quote unquote took it too far to where he could be in in trouble took where he could be in in very real very active trouble um I, that's kind of it's kind of blurry a little bit but basically what i'm saying is in it, it was never very severe in those cases in comparison to the cases that involved black women in these stories now we have many young black women who have been hurt by R. Kelly, you know, being alleged. And the, the, the end of this article says, any success in freeing these women will depend in part on whether our society has made up its mind to care about young black women. It will depend on whether we are willing to fight for them. And Malcolm X, in a 1962 speech, says, the most disrespected woman in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Women of color are constantly made to feel far more less than or even just completely off the, the, the scale, off, off the charts in, in, in our mindset and so many people's mindset in this country. And we do see that time and time again. And I just think that that's, that's a really important point here that R. Kelly has seen, despite the fact that we all know about these, you know, the P tapes, as they're called, that happened before. And he has this long history of, of letting these court cases be delayed forever and ever and ever and then get away with stuff. Stuff, if he indeed did do these things, it's troubling. And you do have to wonder if there's some tie between the, fa- the fact that these were young black girls versus young white women, because mm-hmm. we've seen over the course of our history in this country that any time a black man has harmed a white woman, it, you know, or even is, is thought to have harmed a, you know, or in, done anything involving a white woman. In almost every case, they are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the fact that, like, all of the, the girls that were involved in the last set of lawsuits, they all settled because they didn't think they were going to be able to get any justice. So he effectively got off from any repercussions i mean he settled but you know none of that stuff was on the record so he was able to get away with more stuff in the future and mm-hmm. and you know if that was and continue not to be an icon case, <laughs> yeah and continue yes. and continue to make music yes. and continue to have a career in, in public life and and you know and that's i mean that's the saddest part of reading this well it, there's a lot of sad parts of this of this article, but I mean, that's the saddest part that they got, they got out, they they had an opportunity to go to court and they didn't feel like they were going to get justice. So they settled. And then that, that gave him the green light to be able to continue this behavior. It, it teaches him like, you know, when, when you do something wrong and you get away with it and that's why, you know, boundaries and consequences are so important for children is that then, you know, you have this thought that, you know, the laws don't apply to you. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, George, I just wanted to, uh, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about uh, being there for a friend. And uh, did any of you see Leah Romini's uh, Scientology special uh, on A&E, like her interviewing former Scientology people? Am I the only one that saw that? I've seen see parts of it. I haven't seen all of it. So there's this uh, really electric story. This actually may have been the HBO uh, documentary, like, uh, you know, uh, getting clear, going clear. Uh, But, like, there's a story of someone escaping a Scientology facility. 
and they'd had their children taken from them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they the only reason they were able to get out is because they did have a friend that wanted them to get out and made it very clear to them that if they ever needed help, to give them a call. And when they had been pushed far enough, they you know found a cell phone and smuggled it and gave them a call and then literally ran out to their car from the Scientology compound and leaped into it and escaped. And like you know, private investigators are following them ever since. But yeah, I think that's that's really well said. Like not to be judgmental and just to give them that escape hatch because like confrontation. You know, if you're not their mom, you know, confrontation isn't really going to help. I mean, it's something they're going to have to kind of decide to get past on their own. So I and think you that's think really about awesome. how how embarrassing it is for when you realized uh, that you've been abused or you feel like you've been naive because you believed something. That's really um, difficult to have to go through. And so we want to get rid of that, that feeling so that people feel open. It's, there's why are most um, sexual assaults never um, brought, prosecuted, or even spoken of is because of that. The, sh- the shame keeps them quiet, the shame that they feel. Yeah, the shame and guilt. And it's it's really insidious, and that has to go away. So... All right. Who's <laughs> ready to talk about some other stuff? Lend a helping hand. Uh, oh, sweet. Wow. Yeah. Important topic, uh, but a heavy no, topic. But an important yeah, topic well, because... I. I think it's helpful to cover this, Georgia, because like in the in the social justice community, there's no shortage of people that will condemn about it. But we have the Georgia Dow on this show to give us like pragmatic <laughs> advice. Like, no, I'm not joking. Like, that's a helpful perspective. So I think like that's what I appreciate doing on the show. So I agree. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and move on to talk about uh, an interesting and troubling story uh, because I can think of several of my friends who have uh, left these reviews and would probably be shaking in their boots a little bit if they found out that, you know, potentially in the future things could change. So uh, a judge is saying that reviews on Glassdoor, which if you don't know what Glassdoor is, it is a site where uh, current and former employees can leave reviews about the companies that they currently or have worked for in the past. And you can also put in salary information, you can put in interview information, basically any information there is to know about a company. And then if someone's thinking about applying for a job at that place, they can go to Glassdoor and they can see kind of how well the company rates. And it's a really good way to kind of feel out a company and know if it has some issues in in any sort of way before you want to go and try to get a job there. Well, a judge is saying that Glassdoor reviews, because because they aren't political, because they're not about um, political groups, uh, the federal government can grab the user's identities from that. So let me break down this re- break this down really quick, and then we'll break out into the discussion. Uh, the, the whole thing goes that uh, there's there's something going on with a company involving fraud, and we don't know what the company is. All we know is that there is a company, and the federal government is trying to figure out something to do with uh, potential fraud stuff. Well, they went and they saw. Glassdoor ratings around the time that this fraud stuff is alleged to have been going on. And they went to Glassdoor and said, yo, here's a subpoena. We want the identities of these people so that we can talk to them. A hundred anonymous people. 
when Glassdoor was like, uh, no, then they said, okay, we're going to cut that back to, and I think it was eight or 12. Uh, so then Glassdoor was like, well, uh, no, but what we will do is we will notify those people and say, hey, do you want to help uh, in this fraud case the government is talking about or is trying to go through? And if so, then we will give the government your identities and they can come and talk to you. Well, when the government was like, no, we're not going to do that either, that's whenever Glassdoor lawyered up, they went to court, and they argued based on an old uh, ruling, because a lot of, of court cases, of course, are based on precedents, and the ru- rather precedent, uh, the ruling was that in this, in this case, it was like these, the speeches were political and they were protected by the First Amendment because they were political. So those, those people who were anonymous uh, were not required to reveal themselves to the government. And so then the judge was like, well, you use this case to rule on that. And because it was about political groups and the speech was political, then that made sense. They were protected by the First Amendment right. But here, in this case, because it's not political, it's not protected by the First Amendment. So that's kind of now we're in that area where we're trying to figure out where this is going to go from here. And the thing is, you know, maybe in this case with just the the six or eight people getting revealed, fine. But when this sets precedent, and no, it's not fine, but you know what I mean, when this sets the precedent that in the future we can reveal more identities, that's where it becomes a problem. So, yeah, let's chat. I mean, I mean, we had a conversation a couple weeks ago about anonymous about anonymous speech. And, you know, this is a legitimate use for it where you have, you know, you have users who would not be willing to put these kinds of reviews up under their names for fear of of retribution or, or mm-hmm. fear that it would affect their their careers, but that they can, you know, put these out as warning to other potential employees. I I mean, there is something to be said that if they did witness these things that if the if the government could put a stop to it, then that would be useful. But I think that if they're not necessarily willing to come out voluntarily, why would you ever use a site like this again? I mean, even in the government would it, this isn't in their best interest either to do that because even if you win this case, you're going to destroy any sort of an avenue for people to voluntarily participate in something like this by making employees scared of being able to participate in a site like this in the first place. Mm, that's a good point. Um, I think this speaks to why we need an omnibus uh, privacy bill here in the United mm, States. Here. I mean, ultimately, there's got to be some point where you own your data and you have control over it. And, you know, it can't just be, you know, taken by uh, every single person in sight all willy nilly. I think like, you know, IP addresses need to be destroyed after a reasonable amount of time. And, you know, if the law doesn't allow this, the law should allow this. I mean, I think that what a lot of people don't understand is how many women use Glassdoor to see if a company is going to, you know, have a a manager that's going to sexually harass you, for instance, what the maternity policies are, if they're, you know, blatantly racist. I mean, these are important things. So, um, you know, if the law is being construed where this isn't, you know, protected speech and the anonymity isn't protected, I think we should make it protected. What do you say, Bree, when someone says that, well, you should never expect anonymity on the Internet? It's crap. Okay, perfect. It's crap. That's a very, 
That's a very simplistic view, and thankfully, Georgia, the world is more delightfully complicated than that. It's just a little more interesting than kindergarten. So isn't that wonderful? I'm happy about that. I mean, there's a difference between not wanting to stand behind your words because there might be because you know that you're being awful and there are going to be you know repercussions for that and not wanting to put your name to your words because you're saying something that needs to be said and to help other people. But doing so could put yourself at personal risk like there there's a big difference between those two you know, even if you have to protect the former in order to protect the latter, but the the latter does is a legitimate use of anonymity on the internet, and we should be trying to protect that, you know, if at all possible. Yeah, I'm. I I, I just this this case. I think again, we we kind of talk about how it has a wider thing. That that really is the fact here. Um, I. I, I can't speak specifically about this because I, for some reason, was an idiot and signed like a non-disparagement clause when I didn't need to because I didn't like get fired or anything like that. I left the place. But anyway, I signed a non-disparagement clause, so I won't get specific. But um, there have been some problems at places that I've worked for before, uh, and some of my colleagues have only recently just left said places. And I like... I'm thinking specifically of the the company where my colleagues have left honest Glassdoor reviews and have talked about some of the problems there. And the fact that, you know, a company could pretend like we could have a future where they're not able to share that information with others to keep them safe from being a part of a company that, you know, would not keep them safe. That's 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 horrible. Uh, I think that the, that anonymity needs to be protected. I think yes, we you know we talk too about like hate speech and, and things like that, and when people are able to be anonymous in those instances, and we want them to be able to own up to it. But in these cases where it's about helping people and also being able to have a job at another company in the future, you know that might also be worried about people leaving bad reviews for them. That's where I think that the anonymity needs to be protected. And so, yeah, I agree with you. If there's no precedent right now for these companies to be able to stay safe uh, or rather to keep people's identity safe, then by golly, we need to make that happen. My my opinion is maybe spend a little less time worried about like attacking the people leaving reviews and maybe a little more time worried about the freaking culture of your company. Amen. No, but that like, takes work. That takes work, Bree. Who wants to do that? Oh, that's right. I mean, why not just like terrorize people into being silent? I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. <laughs> but, but but I mean, and back to your point, Bree. Like this is the problem is that we're setting all of this law by precedent when these things come up instead of having a bunch of people who know that know what they're talking about figuring this stuff out ahead of time and passing a law to make it so that these things don't have to be decided on a case-by-case basis and then create permanent precedent because we don't have lawmakers who understand technology and understand or care or, or, or care, care, or care or for that give matter. a damn yeah. about any of this yeah. i'm sorry to use some language but we have no strategy on these subjects no we don't we have nothing and the little bit of legislation that comes out is all about 
you know, making things a little easier for the corporations to make a few extra dollars. It's not about you. It's not about you, Micah. It's not about you, Steve. Georgia, you live in Canada and the U.S. has no problem spying on everything you do through U.S. telecom companies if we think you can get away with it. It's Thank disgusting. You, there is, is no. Yeah. No, I just say there's no leadership on this. And the problem is we have these older laws like Danielle Citron wrote an entire book on this, Hate Crimes in Cyberspace, where she argues that, you know, some things like death threats online are illegal. But she's getting this from like interpreting uh, laws that were passed in the early 90s. Right. We need new laws. We need legislation, legislators looking at these issues. We need leadership on this. And the truth is, it's just not there because this Congress doesn't care. So, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I, I, or, I mean, Sorry. the other the other problem yeah. is that we keep electing people who have been who have not grown up with technology and don't yeah, have right. to use yeah, it. No. Never had to use it in like a corporate setting or in a in in a personal setting because they didn't grow up with it i mean like again we talk about this like like Bri, you and i are are you know you 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 know around 40 and you know yep. we grew up with technology literally changing around us day by day and having to figure it all out but people of like our parents generations like they didn't they didn't necessarily have to do that if they didn't want to but most people don't care, Steve, unless it actually yeah. happens to them. Right. They'll always think that it'll be someone else. It's going to be someone else's problem. It's going to happen to someone else. It's only once it come, falls down on their doorstep. So people really naively believe that this will never occur. It wouldn't be me. It's only going to happen to bad people. Right. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, exact that's very phrase. true. Yeah. That's, yep. I think that, that that's, oh, the mentality there. Hmm. <sighs> well, Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the question that we have this week before we round out the shoe. Okay, um, before before we get to the question, I don't want to read his entire thing, but we did get um, follow up from um, from Ben. You mean we F you? Had... Yeah, <laughs> F you. We got F you. Can you say it like that, please? Uh, yeah. yeah, we have F you from uh, from Ben in Australia, who was <laughs> okay. Um, you know who was. Uh, autistic and wanted to, and his fiance wanted him to get help and he didn't. So he said that he, they had a chat and he said that it really helped. And he also taught, he said that's a, a very long passage trying to dissuade us from moving to Canada, from, from us moving to Australia, rather. He said we should go to Canada and not Australia. I'm um, not moving anywhere. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> tells fighting. us that kangaroos really are terrible. So, oh. Micah, you're right. Oh, that's oh, probably, kangaroos I, yeah, that's probably and yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so the question that we have is from, well, they didn't say if we could use their name or not, so I won't, but, um, what do you do when you've become involved with organizing an entrepreneurial conference that historically has had speaker panels dominated by white men? I know the obvious thing is to cultivate a diverse panel of gender and ethnicity, but I'm not sure how to, how specifically to fix this problem because I'm not the one on our team with all the expertise and connections to recruit the speakers. Uh, looking forward to your insight as I've learned a lot about the topic of oppression and marginalization through your show. Uh, this is pretty simple. Um, you know, this is what's going to happen. If it's straight white dudes that are picking who gets to speak, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be all straight white dudes and they'll pick a couple of, uh, you know, like one or two women uh, who they happen to know and like. Uh, who typically are non-threatening and safe, and that's what's going to happen. 
or you know a show will get together with absolutely no women whatsoever. So you have a very important, straightforward, simple job is to use that awesome white male privilege to be a voice of conscience in this situation. So when they put forward a list of speakers and it sucks, hold them accountable. Like, don't make the women on your team, if there are even any, have that battle. Don't let them get through with just a few token spaces. Women are 50% of the population. My friend Melanie has an unbelievable list of very qualified uh, women speakers uh, that was out on mic, and we will include that in the show notes. But what you need to be doing is you've got to start cultivating a list of qualified women candidates. For mm-hmm. me as a white person, I've gone out of my way to make sure I have people of color candidates to suggest. I had this happen the other day. Someone that runs a podcasting network came to me and said like, oh, I need to get some more diverse voices on my show. Who can I get? And like I had a list of five or six like people of color to suggest to them just like that. So, you know, the thing is, when you only surround yourself with people that look like you, you're not going to have answers to give in those situations. So before this, you've got to make it a mission priority to network with different people. And honestly, it's going to make you a better leader. It's going to make you better in your field no matter what, because then you're not hearing the exact same opinions, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You need to you you need to ask around. If you don't know anyone, great. Ask other people of of someone that they've heard and then ask them. And if you, you know, know one person, odds are they know two or three others who which will know two or three others. But it would be great if when you're organizing uh, conferences that you have someone of some diverse background, also part of the hiring process for people in conferences, because it really does help. I I don't think Jason Snell would mind me telling this story, but he came to me a while uh, ago, a while ago, that he has a new show on our network, and he was looking to put together some diverse voices. And something I make a freaking point to do is to advocate for women in podcasting whenever I can, because there just aren't enough of us, you Mm -hmm. know, like when Relay first started, there were barely any women here at all, you know, Um, so... You know, and he did that. I advocated for my friend Jessica Dennis, and I've advocated for her repeatedly. I got them in touch, and she went on their show, on Jason's show, and he really liked her. And, you know, he wrote me a day. He's like, thanks for this recommendation. We'll definitely have her back. And that is what we have got to do for each other to get, like, marginalized voices out there. And I just, like, uh, to second the point that, yeah, in your position – even if you, because you mentioned in the thing you say, is there, what can I do specifically? Um, you're not the person on the team that has the connections. That 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 may be true, but you are a member on the team who can bring, uh, can shed some light on on the situation and can say, "Hey, I noticed this. Let's look at some other options." So. On top of calling things out, having very specific and actionable things like a list of individuals who could be good as options is what's important. And, you know, what I see a lot of people do is reach out to other people. And so 
you know, maybe this is a, a situation where you could reach out to someone on, it, it, depending on what, what the topics are and what the show are, is rather if you listen to podcasts with people who are, uh, you know, open to having conversations, maybe you reach out to, you know, Bree or you reach out to me or you reach out to one of us and say, hey, do you know anybody? So I think that, you, you know, your network is big enough in the sense that there are people out there. Like the internet is a beautiful thing in some ways, and this is one of them, where you can help cultivate the the diversity by reaching out and doing some legwork there because really that's what it requires. It requires legwork mm-hmm. and it requires a bit of grit too. Sometimes you got to keep reminding and eventually this stuff clicks and if it doesn't, then there's a bigger problem there. But if you're working with a group of people who are or at least consider themselves to be good people, then you can make change happen. You just have to put in the work to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And at least just being there to say, hey, have you thought of this and get them thinking about it from the beginning, as opposed to at the end where they're scrambling because somebody's called them out because they've published a a schedule with with 14, 14 panels and every single one of them is filled with white dudes. That happens so often. Okay, okay. Uh, can we like end on a super quick, happy topic? Sure. Game related. This will take two minutes. So. Uh, I know we aren't a video game podcast anymore, but Steve, I want to tell you about a really, really great game that just came out and is the remake of Final Fantasy XII. Okay. Um, I never played Final Fantasy XII when it first came out uh, because I was homeless, (laughs) believe it or not. Um, And I got to play it later. Um, It was like I I kind of shot through it because like I was in a bad living situation. So I never really enjoyed it the way you should enjoy a Final Fantasy. And now that I'm going back through it, it's they re-released it for the PS4. And they've done this quite a few times, like re-released past games. But this one, hand to God, it feels like a completely new game. It is as gorgeous as any modern PS4 game. Um, you know, the animations are just stunning. The gameplay is unbelievable. And the feature I think you will like, Steve, is this is the Final Fantasy with the Gambit system, meaning you use a very simple programming language to, like, tell all your fighters what to do in a fight. So they auto-battle as you walk through the world. Okay. What I really love about this game is you can tap L1 and it goes into fast-forward mode, either, uh, you know, two times speed or four times speed. And you just play through the game really, really quickly because all the grinding is nearly automatic. So, oh, so it's like the Bravely um, Default is, system. Yeah, it's yeah. really similar to that. And it just shoots on through. It is amazing. So I can say if you have a PS4, this is like Final, Final Fantasy fourteen is good, but this is a much better story. And I enthusiastically recommend this game. Okay. Well, maybe after uh, after Splatoon 2, which comes out tomorrow. We'll uh, we'll have to look at that. But so, um, yes, yeah, Splatoon 2 is so Splatoon 2 is coming tomorrow as we're recording this. So I think that's about to uh, to take over my household, though, that to be fair, I'm going to need something to do when the girls wrestle the switch away from me to play for hours on end. So this sounds like that would be a good way to occupy my time while I'm waiting for my turn to uh, to ink up things. Ink it up. Yeah. And and, you know, ass- assembling a. Uh, a spaghetti's nest of cables in order to do voice chat online because Nintendo doesn't know how to that do nonsense. multiplayer. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Fantastic. the app, uh, yeah, apparently the app that you have to use doesn't work in the background. 
So you have to keep the app in the foreground and the screen unlocked in order to do voice chat in Splatoon, and that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Always finding the negative side, Steve. <laughs> it's like they're releasing an awesome game, and you're like, I'm already just thrilled I, for how much no, it's going to suck. You know what? No, you know what, though? I did. We did the Splat, <laughs> yeah. we did the Splatfest last weekend, and it, it is just as good as the original Splatoon, and, and I think it'll be better because more people actually get to enjoy it because it's not on the Wii U. Um, well, that's assuming enough people have a switch, but yeah. yeah. Well, I think eventually people will get it, but I mean, it's especially it's a little bit weird not having the the map right in front of you all the time. But other than that, like being able to just play it again on a screen, like right in front of you, or not have to you be able to play it with something like a pro controller, it's just as good as the original, and it's still a lot of fun. So, yep, I'm so looking forward good. to it. And the girls are really excited about it. So they, they played Yay. it like like the whole it went from like six to ten. And I think they let me play for like half an hour. And then the rest of it, they were just like taking turns and, and shooting. things. So and we're going to have so a Splatoon fun. party at your house, right? Uh, apparently I, we're going to have right. to. Yeah. I, can you I guess we'll have to fit. Can you do local co-op in that game? I guess we'll find I out. I guess we'll find out. I do out. want to request some other food other than hot dogs this time. That would be great. <laughs> okay, sausages, oh. sausages it is. Excellent. That, uh, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Micah, you want to you wanna put us out of our misery here? Or? Uh, yes, if, <laughs> yes, I will. If you would like to get in touch uh, and, you know, keep the misery going, here is how you do that. You call us at 508-418-3532. You can also tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me or send us a direct message if you'd rather keep things private as always. Uh, let us know if we can use your name in the show. Otherwise, we will default to anonymous. If you're looking for the show notes, you can probably look in the app that you're using right now. But if you're looking for them online, you can go to relay.fm slash disruption. If you're looking for me online, you can find me on Twitter at Sargent or on the website chihuahua.coffee. Hey, Steve, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? See, you got you to gotta realize, like, I hate everything, so misery is like my happy place, right? So... Um, what? Anyway, what? Uh, you Georgia, can hear... how much health does Steve need? <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go. Doesn't crawl... sound uh, that doesn't sound healthy. I don't know. Anyway, you can you can find me uh, <laughs> babbling about Hearthstone on Off Curve, or you can find me on Twitter at Wicked Good. Awesome. And Bree, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you? Well, you know, you can, first of all, leave a review for the show. Let us know how much misery the show puts you in. So five stars would mean the most misery possible. Lots of misery. Lots of maximum misery. One star would be not enough misery. So just please rate and review the show and let us know how much misery the show is putting you in today. Or or you could just let me know on the Twitter account Space Cat Gal. Excellent. And last but certainly not least, Georgia Dow, if people are looking for you online, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. And if you are dealing with anxiety, depression, um, parenting issues, sleep issues, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. Or homepodanxiety.com. That true, too. <laughs> Wait, you can, true help, too. you can help me with my parenting issues? You, well, when you parent <laughs> Steve's kids... 
I mean, I got to tell you, I'm just really worried Little Rocket's not going to get into Harvard. <laughs> she's on the yeah. okay. Okay. I need some help. Let's give me uh, yeah. She, she does seem a little bit more yeah. like a Yelly to me anyway, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Were you going for a pun there? Like, because... I don't know. I don't know what I was doing, I was Micah. Say, it's I a don't... super subtle, like, Yorkie pun, maybe? I, uh, I you give, You're giving me a little bit too much credit at this point. I don't know if it was credit. I okay. think it was debit. <laughs> Okay, Micah, I'm at maximum misery. We've got on the show. <laughs> Steve, Steve, get us out of here. Sign us off. Go. Oh, why are you still listening to this? Why? Why? Maximum Just go. Misery. Go find something else misery. to listen to and go rate the show before Bree finds you personally and, and, and makes you rate it. Bye. <gasps>